0: on and listen to crazy train radio what up
1: excuse me while i whip this out oh no!
2: Nice.
1: say what again say what again i dare you i double dare you motherfucker say what one more goddamn time i knew it i'm surrounded by assholes
0: Good evening, friends!
1: Not all football helmets are created equal. Zenith, the industry leader in protective technology, is the only helmet in the game with adaptive head protection featuring a shock suspension system that can move independently from the helmet shell. Headquartered and developed in Detroit, Zenith is committed to player safety and revolutionary innovation. Zenith is proud to protect athletes at every level from Pee-wee to the pros. Learn more about the Zenith difference at Zenith.com. That's X-E-N-I-T-H.com.
0: Are you annoyingly even keel? E-methamine could be right for you. I have a disease, alright? I need help! E-methamine lets you get gagged up on whooped chicken parts without yellowing one's teeth. Oh yeah! Contact your doctor today if you experience the following... Oh my god! ...increases in blood flow, boost in testosterone, ending of erectile dysfunction. This medicine is made for extreme cases of being even keel or having extreme depression. Ah, oh, come on! Side effects include fits of rage, acne, bleeding in folks around you, whooping cough, hallucinations, comas, trouble swallowing, decrease in semen, increased in amounts of selling yourself, amnesia, night terrors, higher mortgage rates, and increased sensations in not having suicidal urges.
2: Oh my. Hi, my name is LaVon Kirkland, former Pittsburgh Steeler, Seahawk, and Philadelphia Eagles, now proud inductee of the Ring of Honor at Clemson University, and you're listening to The Crazy Train,
1: Alright, folks, so this man on the phone right now was a part of an organization that is known for tough, hard-nosed defensive players with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But when I think of them, I think of them as part of a defense, particularly from Super Bowl XXX with the Steelers against the Cowboys that only held the Cowboys for 15 first downs, and Emmitt Smith, who was a known power back, to 56 yards. On the phone right now, the bottom question. How you doing, sir?
2: I'm doing well. How are you doing today?
1: Uh, no complaints on the side. Uh, I'm guessing you're called from your lovely home state of South Carolina, correct?
2: Yes, sir. South Carolina in the upstate. Um uh, Until it's a beautiful place. If you you think about the mountains, the changing of the weather, the lakes, uh, this part of South Carolina is really good. And it's really blooming. It really is. So, yeah, I'm in a great part of the state. Well, you've
1: been a lifelong guy
2: from South Carolina, correct? You know, for the most part. um, You know, I'm born and raised in South Carolina, went to Clemson University. I, you know, even when I played with the Steelers, I would come back home and spend some quality time with the family, my mom, dad, little sister, and the rest of my brothers and sisters. So, for the most part, I've been in South Carolina, but I've been other places like North Carolina, Charlotte, which isn't far. Also, Florida, when I was coaching at FAMU, and I spent some time in Arizona, so I, I've lived different places, but mainly I would have to say the majority of my life has been spent in South Carolina.
1: Yeah, so that's definitely home for you. So yes, the sir. It, it's always interesting when you talk to the former athletes, and when they, you know, and there's so much going on with former athletes. And like you said, you've done some coaching and all as well. That where they decide where my home base is going to be, and I spend a lot of time. I grew up in. Born and raised in the Philadelphia area and it's the same thing you notice a lot of guys particularly you played in Philadelphia for a season so you know how it is that a lot of guys end up staying someplace and raising their kids and you know just when they really put roots down so it's nice to hear that your home state was actually stay home for you
2: yes yes no doubt about it and you know, the work that I'm doing now with non nonprofit, you know, we we need that kind of help. And we're reaching out to younger uh, students that may not have had, you know, the mentoring, the mentorship and the guidance if we didn't really provide it for them. So it's a purpose also for me being here. I really feel that God has given me a purpose to be in the South Carolina area, the state of South Carolina, however you want to address it, so, you know, and it's been really good to me, too, so I, you know, South Carolina's always been one of those places that I always consider home, and saw myself living here, too.
1: Well, and it's a great place to have, raise your kids and such, but let's jump there, because you just mentioned it. What kind of property are you working with, and what, tell us about it.
2: Well, no, yeah, I'm working with the South Carolina Football Hall of Fame, and basically, what we do, what we're what we're doing, and our mission is to make a difference through football. And we do that by educating, empowering, and also encouraging uh, all student athletes. And what we're trying to get out of that, and the goal is for those kids to come out with um, careers. They come out academically better. And they come out with character.
1: So, and I find this interesting too that the ones who were pro athletes or star college athletes or whatever the case may be, you know, when they get back and try to use what they have obtained through hard work and everything else, they try to get back to the community. Do you uh, find with some of these young student-athletes that you might come across and talk to and try to mentor, do you find that you have yourself a little more credibility because of your background, that they might listen to you more compared to somebody else?
2: Well, I think it all depends. I think if you can come across with an authentic message that, you know, they will listen. But I, I think it is a good platform. You know, if I'm a kid and Deshaun Watson or someone is coming to my school, I'm sure that I will perk up and and I'm sure that I will look at them like wow because they're actually doing it. Um, they're doing it in the present time. Guys like myself, um, you know, as long as we give them the background of what we've done, and people actually will probably go back and Google it. They they will pay attention. So I think. Um, it could work, you know, either way. It just depends on the message and the messenger. If the messenger is good and can relay the message, then it's going to really sink in.
1: Okay. Yeah, it makes sense totally. You know, the message ain't authentic.
2: You mm-hmm.
1: know, that's definitely for sure. So right. you, play, you played in pretty, pretty substantial fan bases. Most of your career you spent in Pittsburgh. Then you played a year in both Seattle, who has a known, well-known fan base, and a year in Philadelphia before you wrapped up your playing career. Uh, did you notice a big, big difference in terms of uh, the fan bases of all three cities?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I think the common denominator of all those fan bases were they were passionate about their teams. I think in Pittsburgh as I was playing at Pittsburgh at that time, the culture was winning championships. Uh, They did it in the 70s. And in our years, in the 90s, we were really kind of bringing that flavor back to the Pittsburgh Steelers. They seemed to be very knowledgeable fans. They seemed to be diehards. So that was the experience with Pittsburgh. And also, they were friendly. To me, the fans that I encountered – were friendlier fans. You know, they wouldn't all in your face, things of that nature. Uh, Seattle, you know, they had a really good fan base, but their teams were, you know, it really wasn't really any championship um, teams going in there. You know, decent teams, mostly average teams. But man, when they get a winner, they they got behind them. So. That was kind of the difference then. There was one that had a culture, one who didn't have a culture, and then my last year with Philly, you know, they didn't have really a pedigree of championships, but you know they they felt like they they should, <laughs> and I think the fan base was a little bit more grittier and a little bit more hardcore, and I think frustrated in a lot of ways because they would get close but no cigar, and. The year that I was there is really the same thing that happened. We got all the way to the NFC championship game and couldn't pull it off against a team that traditionally Philly would always beat. So you can see the frustration there, but all three fan bases were passionate at least and they enjoy their football and they enjoy their teams. So I, I did, as you stated before, play for some good organizations and I actually like all the organizations. I really like Andy Reid as a coach. Um, Bill Cowher would always be my favorite, along with Dick LeBeau and some other coaches that were there with Philly. I mean, Pittsburgh, because I I basically grew up there. So And, you know, Seattle was good, too. You know, I like Coach Holgram and what he was trying to do and what he was trying to develop. But I think with him, you know, it's always harder to try to focus on two things. You know, he was trying to be the general manager and trying to be the head coach. I just, I don't know if he can give you a full focus on that. I think it's a little tough to do, to be both and be excellent at either one. Either you're going to be excellent at the coaching or you're going to be excellent at the, um, GM spot. So I think him trying to handle everything was probably not the best.
1: Did you find, you know, speaking of that, did you find him, uh, a little distracted? Like, you know, things that, when you got to Seattle there, you were essentially a pretty well respected veteran. Where, like in the other towns in Pittsburgh and in Philadelphia, like, if you had a suggestion or, you know, because you see things, obviously, firsthand being on the field. Could you go to him and say, hey, hey, Mike, uh, I see this? You know what I mean? Bring something to his attention compared to bringing it to, say, a Bill Cowell or an Andy Reid.
2: Uh, you know, honestly, I was. When I got there, I knew that they wanted me for leadership and to really lead the defense. And I really kind of focused on that, not so much him being a general manager or a head coach. I thought the one thing that when I was at Seattle, which I thought was funny, was guys were so serious in the locker room at the time. I mean, it was a quiet locker room. It was like, wow. And I felt that was probably... Probably one or two things. I didn't think they were close as a team. You know, I think there were, you can tell when a locker room is that quiet, to me that means that the team is really not close. Okay. You know, that they have their pockets of guys. And in order to be a really good team, I, I think you have to be close. You, you have to, You know, and that means having fun, that means being loose, that means being relaxed in the locker room. I felt like we were never, you know, never there. We got there, though, because, um, you know, I kind of demanded that we were there, but that was one of the things I thought with that team that was a team that was really guys were just kind of afraid to make mistakes or um, just, you know, didn't want to let it loose i always felt like you prepare for the game and then on sunday you relax because you've done everything you need to do and now it's just playing the game and the results are out there you just have to go out there and get your the results that you want so uh that was the one thing i thought was pretty interesting about seattle that the locker rooms were (laughs) very quiet i didn't think you know i didn't think it was Quite a team. They were struggling a little bit about how to win, didn't really know how to win. So um, I felt that the guys that they brought in that year had pedigree of winning and were going to lead this team into winning.
1: Well, speaking of uh, relationships in the locker room and everything like that, I had a chance to try to, you know, and obviously things weren't as easy with the holidays and everybody having early schedules tried to reach out to a few teammates of yours, you know, uh, who played with you in Pittsburgh or different places along the line. Mm-hmm. And of most, the guys I did hear back from, most of the consensus was that you were considered one of the biggest characters on a team. <laughs> when, when, times were, when it was time for business, you were all business. But in general, you were a fun guy to be around. So mm-hmm.
2: obvious question is, do you, what do you think you brought to the table as far as that part of the standpoint? Well, you know, I thought I that I brought a, a unique sense of humor to the team. I felt like, you know, because a lot of times I was really kind of introverted, uh, introvert, but I could be very outgoing to it. I could, you know, be a funny guy. And so a lot of times, you know, I was trying to have fun myself and it just went outward. So, you know, I would do things that would just, the team would just kind of laugh at. Um, you know, doing the locker room or we're just warming up. I would, I just had a, a kind of a corny, cool kind of sense of humor and I would just let it out. Just let people uh, have an ability to laugh at me and then also laugh at themselves. So it was never anything vicious. I don't believe in being vicious. I don't believe in calling somebody out or anything like that. But there's some fun things about people that, you know, that sometimes just need to be brought to <laughs> the forefront. Even yeah. Coach car I mean, I would say things, you know, one time Damani Dawson got hurt and, you know, I, I did this, reenactment of how Coach Cower responded to that. So it was just, uh, I just had kind of a corny kind of a sense of humor. And just playing linebacker sometimes, you kind of have to be a little bold, especially with me in my position at inside backer. That was a way for me to really um, express myself and to be out front. And, you know, Coach Cower told me that I had to take control of the huddle and I think being a little of a character kind of helped me to do that because really, honestly, at that time, it really wasn't my thing. I never called the signals when I was in college. I never was up front like that. But once I got to Pittsburgh, my, my approach to the game and my attitude to the game had to change. So I think at that time I personality and sense of humor also came out. So it was basically Coach Garrett told me that I have to <laughs> I had to take over the huddle and that means you had to be bold. And I guess with that boldness, boldness, my sense of humor kinda came to display and you know, I was kind of a character and, you know, making trying to make guys laugh and so that's kinda where that came from.
1: Yeah, but, like I said, the general consensus was that, yes, you were a business when you had to be, but everybody really enjoyed being around you, would not it? You know, you were a guy that liked to have fun.
2: But, yeah. But, oh, no, you go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, what I was going to ask was, since I only got a couple more minutes with you, was obviously I mentioned that I believe I mentioned it top shows you how my brain's working today. Uh, You're a father, too, and family man, and care about your uh, community and everything else. But, you know, obviously when you uh, hopefully lock down the future and have grandkids and everything, you know, things come along. Is there a certain game or a place that you think you would want to show and say, hey, this is what I did for a living
2: so, you know, that's kind of funny because I had my, I have a daughter, okay. and but she she wasn't we we had her later because I didn't get married until I was thirty three, and we so she really never saw me play the game. So it's kind of funny sometimes when we go out and people will recognize me. And she was just like, I want somebody who want my autograph one day. But this past October, we had uh, Clemson inducted me into the Ring of Honor, which means the highest honor you can get as a student athlete. And my name gets to be put on the stadium, inside the stadium. So I think when that time comes, you know, if I have grandkids, or uh, whatever the case, that I will always try to maybe show them that and the significance of having your last name on the board, because as men we we, we want to leave a legacy of some sort, yeah. and the best way you can probably leave a legacy is to have your name on a building or have your name on a foundation or something like that, so that would probably more so than this any game that would probably be the focal point of me sharing it with my children and hopefully they can share it with their children and things of that nature. So I look at that honor and look at my name being on that stadium, especially at Clemson at this point in time and they're playing so well that um that that will always be a focal point that they can see that clearly and and understand that if I did it, trust me, <laughs> they can do it. and They can do wonderful things also. Well
1: I, I know I mentioned grandkids there, but you said you, you were a father to your daughter when you were older and didn't get she didn't get to see much of the mm-hmm. playing days. But how, how about that uh, portion of things, as a father, to see her reaction to the hoopla of being honored by your former school?
2: You know, um, there's a picture, there's a caption of her right behind me as they're introducing my name and pulling the tarp off. And you can see the biggest smile on her face. And to see that smile means the world to me. It really does. And also, you know, my son, to see him being very happy for me too, it's amazing. It's amazing. You know, life kind of deals you with, deals you, deal cards to you sometimes that you're not, you're not really ready for, you know. Um, you know, my wife died about five or six years ago from lung cancer, which was devastating to us. And you know, to go beyond that and to still be moving forward is a testimony of his own. So, you know, it's been—it um, hasn't been always a great road, but you know, it's getting better. And and uh, you know, I just want to be—you know—continue to be strong for my daughter and. As we go through that. so um, But that moment when she was really just a big smile on her face, that meant the world to me.
1: But it makes you, uh, like you said, and I didn't really want to beat that to death about uh, the loss of your wife. But, uh, you know, it made, and things like that, the real life uh, side of things, it makes you appreciate the good stuff, such as Clemson honoring you and the different things that come along. You know, just the, the positive stuff of it makes you appreciate that much more, I would think.
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I, I think you you realize that those little things matter. And I definitely do. I, I realize that. And, and you realize that telling someone that you love them oh, man and being with them and caring for them while they're here is so important. It, it does. It's okay to honor them afterwards, but I think to be with them and to enjoy them at the time where life is there is much more important. Much more important. So, you know, I look at people who have their parents, they have their wives, and I'm like, man, please, Let them know how much you care for them. Let them know how much you love them. And not only say it, but really make love an action word and, you know, be active about that. So that's kind of some of the things that, you know, losing someone like that teaches you. And, you know, looking at your daughter and just saying what you want to do and making sure that she's number one, my son's number one, it it teaches you a whole lot. You know, and that's one of the things I would tell anybody. You know, you, you got to love people and thank them while they're here. I think when you, it's too late when they're when they're passed away. Like I said, there's no it's no problem paying them tribute. Um, you know, paying them tribute all the you know when it's over with. But I think right now, when you have the chance, you need to let those people know how much you love and care for them.
1: Well, definitely think we should end it there with trying to pass a positive message about telling your loved ones how you feel and everything like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you want to see more about his uh, telepathic work and everything, uh, feel free to check out the South Carolina Football Hall theme, which he's uh, also a member of, the vice president, but also a client. Uh Levon, thank you so much.
2: Oh man, thank you for having me allow me to spread our message. I I hope that um we can do it again.
0: Thinking your day is bad, and really looking to make it worse? Why not try downloading this new classic set of music that will be dropping so far off the charts, there's bound to be injuries. Now that's what I call depressing. It's gonna make those who are even close to having the slightest glimmer of hope wanna jump off the highest of planks. For those that are getting now that's what I call depressing, you'll be getting that song that reminds you of that relationship with those cougars, Wrinkled Ladies. For those who weren't really into cougars, but those who had that special friend whilst in cell block 2B, we got for you this clusterfuck that will put you in therapy for years to come. With cheeks wide open, writes this shit. Oh hell, we're still recording this commercial. Always with you, it cannot be done. Those that rather have it out than in. This loaded hit will be dropping soon. Farthing in the USA. For those who place their order by calling or ordering online, the next hundred folks will receive their choice of either a noose of good quality that won't snap, An installation of a new outlet next to your bathtub so you can now blow dry your hair in the full tub. Or the choice of the right gang to just beat the fuck out of you. Call us today at 1-800-FUCK-THIS.
1: This is Joe Theismann and you're listening to Crazy Train Radio.